Good evening. It's good to be here. Um, I'm thrilled. As always, I, when I, I get a chance to come out and share the Word of God with my sisters and brothers, and uh, I, can, I count it a blessing and honor. So thank you guys for coming out. Behold how good and pleasant it is to sisters and brothers who dwell together in unity. And uh, I have a great appreciation for where we are right now, and I just pray that hearts and ears will be open to receive what the Lord has for us. Heavenly Father, we just give thanks for this time that you set aside for us, and we just pray, Father, that uh, we would uh, just be mindful of what a loving God we serve and how you just continue to surround us, Father, to protect us, encourage us, grow us, break us, mold us, mend us, whatever you need to do, Father, to get us to acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior. So I pray uh, now that if there's anyone here tonight who does not yet know you as their Lord and Savior, that tonight would be the night of salvation. So I'm so thankful, Father, that uh, you, uh, you brought uh, this remnant out tonight to see what you've got to do, what you've got to say in us, Father. So again, we give you praise and honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So tonight, uh, we're going to uh, dive into Ezekiel chapter 5, verses 1 through 17. Ezekiel chapter 5, verses 1 through 17. But I must tell you that I, I need to go back a little bit just to, to set up the things that Ezekiel's doing now. He will be doing. He's already doing it at the end of chapter 4 and continuing into chapter 5. So I'm just going to go back a few verses um, to, uh, to, to set it up. And I've titled this, I, the Lord, have spoken. And we're going to see that uh, through this particular chapter because what Ezekiel is dealing with here is the Israel. Uh, he's called them uh, stubborn He's called them rebellious. He's called them impudent. He called them uh, so many names, uh, nothing positive at this point. But when I, when I get to teach, I always like to do life application. And you have an opportunity here when he talks about uh, Israel that somehow we can, we can fill in the blank with either ourselves individually or our nation. And either would apply here. So what's happening is the people, the Israelites, uh, are just, they're gone wild, basically. And uh, the Lord has been speaking to them, but they will not acknowledge him as their Lord and Savior. Um, so what the Lord has done, he says uh, in verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, he said, You also, son of God, take a clay tablet and lay it before you and, and portray on it a city, Jerusalem. And what he's asking uh, Ezekiel to do now is they kept their reports, they kept their records on clay tablets. So he's saying, Ezekiel, I want you to take a clay tablet and just inscribe the city of Jerusalem on that tablet, and from this point on, you're gonna see where Ezekiel is either acting out the commands that God gives him, and what God wants to do, he wants them to see his heart. He wants them to know exactly what he's thinking. He wants them to be mindful of where they're headed because of their iniquity. He wants them to be, uh, he wants their conscience to be unseared. And so that what you're going to see is the things that, that Ezekiel is doing. Ezekiel, Ezekiel's mission was to draw the city of Jerusalem on the tablet, and then he was to break the tablet to show that the city was going to be destroyed. This is one of the visual things that he wanted Ezekiel to do. So that's what he did. He drew this the city on the map, and then right in front of all of them, he just broke it. And that meant something to them. They knew what it meant. They knew that they were going to be destroyed. But... Ezekiel was to take, uh, in verse 4, chapter 4, verse 3, it says, Moreover, take for yourself an iron plate and set it as an iron wall between you and the city. 
Set your face against it, and it shall be besieged, and you shall lay siege against it. There will be a sign of the house of Israel. In this case, for the second part, uh, he, he was the, Ezekiel was to put this iron plate between himself and the picture of the city of Jerusalem to show the people uh, that God had put a wall between himself and the city of Jerusalem. The destruction of the city had to happen. It would not be stopped. And the sign of the tablet represented the siege of Jerusalem. The second sign of the iron plate showed the hardships of divine judgment, God's judgment. And the people were to go through terrible suffering. And a third sign describes additional punishment on Jerusalem. It is the sign of the defiled bread. Now with this defiled bread, uh, what God has asked Ezekiel to do, he had asked him, Ezekiel, to, when he cooked his bread, he was going to use human waste as fuel. And he wanted the people to see this because it was an indication of how God felt about them, where God's heart was towards them. And God knew this was uh, horrible. It was a horrible thing to do. But he wanted to get his message through. But God knew that Ezekiel was a Levite. And he had never tasted anything that was unclean. So he gave him mercy. Okay, I want you to show them that they're going to have to cook their bread over human waste. But I'm going to give you cow dung to cook yours over. And in this case, it was God's mercy. He didn't give the people cow dung. They had to use human waste. But bear in mind that the only use of the waste was as a fuel because they baked their bread over hot rocks. And so they, they didn't, it didn't really mix with the human waste, but it was cooked over, so it, was, it still wasn't a good thing. But God granted uh, Ezekiel grace and mercy there. And then he asked him to, to lie on his side, likely facing north, which illustrated God's applying judgment to Israel. And then he wants him to turn and face south, which is the judgment on Judah, which is also guilty. But uh, Jerusalem had 390 days of iniquity attributed to them, and Judah had 40, but the years cannot represent, the years of less iniquity did not uh, represent less guilt, so they were, they were all punished. In verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Therefore you shall set your face toward the siege of Jerusalem, your arms shall be uncovered, and you shall pro prophesy against it. And the arms uncovered is a symbol of being ready for action, as a soldier would do. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 says, and, you, and surely I will restrain you so that you cannot turn from one side to another until you have ended the days of your seas. So he's making it very clear that he is going to destroy the nation. And he's giving them every opportunity to turn, to repent, or let go of their iniquity, but it's not happening. And, there, and even today, there are nations that are there as well. There are nations that have turned away from God, and the people are falling away every single day. And God's going to have to judge us. He doesn't have any choice. Well, why would a loving God judge us like that? Because he's a loving God. Simple as that. He has to. He just can't allow this to continue and we as a nation, uh, I would say at this point, we have turned away. And so when I read this about Ezekiel, that's why I said, let's use some life application here and fill in the blank. Not just America, but the world. They've turned away. We've turned away. And we will pay the cost for that. This... The scarcity of food during the siege made it necessary. This is uh, verse 4-9, chapter 4, verse 9. Necessary to mix all kinds of grain for bread. And what the Lord is doing now, he's rationing out. He's allowing them to have uh, roughly um, 20 shekels a day from time to time and um, basically a quarter water a day. And so what he's doing, he's showing them his mercy 
by giving them food. So at some point, he's going to take it all away. He's going to take away the food. He's going to take away the water. And unfortunately, that didn't deter them from their iniquities. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more as we go along because, you know, we would think by looking at others that, okay, once they see this happening, then they would just turn, they would repent. And then we look at our situation and we, we can see what's going on. He's showing us the things that are going on in our world. And there are many who say, I would not have this man to rule over me still. And he's shown us, he's told us in his word that even when he comes back, there are going to be people who are going to be hiding in the cleft of the rocks, still saying, I would not have this man to rule over me. What it's going to take, and I know everyone in this room has been at a low. Some of the people I don't know at all, but I'm going to just, it says we are people of like passion. So I'm going to say you've been to something and that's why you gave your life to Christ. That's why. But there's some, and we all know some. We have family members. We have moms, dads, sisters, brothers, grandkids who just said, well, that works for you. It doesn't work for me. Either that or, well, I got time. I'm going to have fun now. And then I give my life to the Lord later on. And I'm going to repeat this later on, but it's something that we all know. Tomorrow's not promised. Just because you're 20s, 30s doesn't mean that you've got plenty of time to turn. So as we dig into this, I just pray that, you know, we will listen with hearts and minds wide open to understand how God made such an effort to get Israel to turn, to believe, to trust him as a Lord and Savior. And they did not. Chapter 5, verse 1. And you, son of man, take a sharp sword, take it as a barber's razor, and pass it over your head and your beard. Then take scales to weigh and divide the hair. You shall burn with fire one-third in the midst of the city when the days of the siege are finished. Then you shall take one-third and strike around it with the sword. And one-third you shall scatter in the wind. I would draw out a sword after them. You shall also take, verse 3, you shall also take a small number of them and bind them in the edge of your garment. Verse 4, then take some of them again and throw them into the midst of the fire and burn them in the fire. From there a fire will go out into all the house of Israel. The whole nation will be destroyed. The sign of the shaving of his hair, Ezekiel's hair, showed the severe humiliation to come at the hands of their enemies. As a priest, Ezekiel was not to shave his head and his beard, and that was very unusual for a priest to do. After he shaved, Ezekiel carefully divided the hair into three parts. One third of the hair he took and burned inside the city. This represented the people who were going to be captured and burned with fire and pestilence and uh, famine would be in full force. They were burned inside the city at the time of its destruction. The second third of the hairs he took and smote, which means he pounded the hair in a violent manner. He smote it, smote the hair. This depicted what was to happen to those who lived through the siege. They fell by the sword. They fell, the last third of the people were scattered. This group who went down to Egypt, taking Jeremiah with them, and the small remnant of God's people who eventually returned to the city is pictured by the few hairs that were bound up in Ezekiel's skirts. So he's dividing them into thirds. He's got, and he's just doing different things. He's destroying some with fire right away. Some he's just uh, uh, punishing and others... He's just scattered throughout the world. Some of these hairs were subject and further calamity are suffering. It continued to be a hard not life for these people. We turn, we trusted you. And I won't say too little too late because it's never too late to be saved. But it's just that these, these people, they just, they enjoy their lifestyle like we do. 
in so many ways. And uh, two of the things that they talked about for us Christians, what is our worst sin? And the worst sin for all of us Christians, sinners and saints, idolatry. It's our biggest sin. Well, I, I, I don't have idols. Who can say that with a pure heart? And it may not seem to be an idol to you. And this is not anything, this is not no biblical support for what I'm going to say here. But I would say, whatever you think about 75% of your time, if it's not the things of the Lord, then it's an idol. It really is. And so you need to think about that. It's, well, these are just little trinkets, little whatever, whatever it is you like. It's not a big deal. It's an idol. An idol is an idol is an idol. So we have to be concerned about that because a lot of that was going on in, in Israel at this time. Verse 5, thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem. I have set her in the midst of the nations and the countries all around her. She has rebelled against my judgments by doing wickedness more than the nations and against my statutes more than the countries that are all around her. For they have refused my judgment and they have not walked in my statutes. Jerusalem was also a representative of the whole land which despite its opportunity and responsibility rejected God. Fill in the blank. Blank is a nation despite its privileges and opportunities. It rejected God. You can feel that in any way you want. Just straight out rejection. And you can ask yourself, why? Why would you see destruction coming yet you would not acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so now we have to make a decision are we going to allow the Holy Spirit to rule or are we going to allow the flesh to rule and it's a challenge for each and every one of us because it's a daily battle day by day minute by minute that we're battling that flesh wants to rule the flesh is relentless. It doesn't cut you any breaks at all. And so that's why we have to be conscious of the fact that we need a Lord and Savior. Need, not want. Because left to our own device, we are Israel. Left to our own device, we will destroy ourselves. Left to our own device, our lives would be ruled by idols. But God. Verse 7, Ezekiel 5, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 7. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have multiplied disobedience more than the nations that are all around you, have not walked in my statutes, nor kept my judgment, nor Ever, even done according to the judgment of the nations that are all around you. We are having an effect on the nations around us. The nations around us are having an effect on us. No one can deny that. How many of us spend time listening to these prophets? How many of us spend time watching these podcasts? And that, some, with some of us, that's governing our lives right now. For the people who used to share a scripture with you, now they send you a, a podcast. Or oh, you got to read this. You got to listen to this. And now we're spending more time doing these substitute things rather than honoring our Lord, rather than reading the word. It's a tragedy. Instead of being a witness to the heathen nations, Israel had more idolatrous practices than the nations around her. The surrounding nations maintained the familiar idols while Israel was far from their true and living God. Blank nation is far from their living God. Fill in the blank. 
Are we running from him or are we running to him? And again, we have to choose this day who we will serve. God's people were worse than the pagans in proportion to spiritual knowledge and privileges. The judgment of God's are always relative to, to light and privilege granted. God will give you rights. God will give you privilege. But uh, according to Luke 12, 48 says, but he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been commanded, committed of him, they will ask the more. You want to follow Jesus? You want to follow Christ? There's a cost. Now, the only question to you is, is it worth it? Keep in mind that we all came from something, somewhere, to this, a relationship with Christ. What is that? Is this something that you're willing to do a double repent and go back to it? I hope the answer is no. Because that situation that you left probably hadn't, hasn't gotten any better. It's probably gotten worse. So I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I pray that's the cry of our heart. Because uh, it, it's rough. And everybody in this room knows it's, it's really rough out there. And it's not getting any better. His word says, if... Uh, if I don't come back, no one's going to survive. And we see evidence of that today. Every single day. You know, we used to watch the Wild Wild West on television. Now we're living in the Wild Wild West. Lawlessness. Laws that go unpunished. Rules that are broken and then ignored, depending on who you are. We need Jesus. Since Ezekiel's people were over the top in their disobedience, they were to be outstanding in their punishment. There's a price to pay. It says all sin leads to death. And when you're in obvious sin, when you're... Uh, definitely uh, following idols God has to judge you verse 8 therefore thus says the Lord God indeed I even I am against you and will execute judgment in the midst in the sight of the nations now some of you may be confused because the word says I will never leave you nor forsake you but God has, because he loves us, he has to punish us at some point. And again, it's something that we get to discuss quite often because so many uh, Christian sisters and brothers don't see this as love. Why would a loving God punish me? I thought he loved me. He does. Because he's omnipotent. Because he's omniscient. Because he is love. He has to. He can't let you go on because essentially what you're doing, you're destroying yourself. I love you too much to allow you to destroy yourself. So I've got to do something. I have to take action. And when we read the word, if you don't understand it, you see, well, he wiped out a, an entire nation. Yeah. There's more to come. We need to understand the true meaning of love from, from God's standpoint. Love means giving me what I want, making me happy. And that's it. A loving God would never take my mother, or my grandmother, my kid. That's not love. It is. But you need to understand the heart that it's coming from. I love you so much. I want to save you from you. And he will do that, whatever it takes. 
that means bring you home, so be it. That's what he's willing to do. Verse 9, and I will do among you what I have never done in the like at which I will never do again because of all your abominations. That's kind of sad and kind of scary. I've never done this, and I may never do it again, but I got to issue punishment. Your, uh, your abominations are just so far out of control until I have to do something. Verse 10, Therefore, fathers shall eat their sons in your midst, and sons shall eat their fathers, and I will execute judgment among you, and all of you who remain, I will scatter to all the winds. Uh, sounds like cannibalism. But if you read the book of Lamentations, and that reveals how these promises were realized when parents ate their children and sons ate their fathers in the time of starvation. They're headed there now. They're aware of what happened in Lamentations, yet they still refuse. They know about it. They know that it came to the point when I told you earlier about he's rationing food initially, and at some point he's just going to take away food and water. Some of us can't imagine that. Not here in a good old U.S. of A. No way, man. Keep your eyes and ears and heart open. Soon and very soon. And I'm not here uh, to say that we're hopeless, that we're doomed. It's just a, a fact that if you are in touch at all, you can see these things ramping up. There are the powers that be who want to buy up the farms and, and ration out to whom they desire. But why would God allow that to happen? Because of our sin, because of our abomination, because of our idolatry. God has to punish us. He has to. Verse 11, Therefore, as I live, says the Lord God, surely because you have defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable things and with all your abomination. Therefore, I will also diminish you. My eye will not spare, nor will I have any pity. That doesn't sound like a loving God, but it is. Well, Lord, don't punish me. I just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm only human. And these are the things that, that I feel compelled to do. But as someone who loves you, I can't allow it. Keep in mind, we are his children. And for the parents out there who know, who can relate to this from a, from a worldly standpoint, if you allow that child to have his own way or her own way in your home, it doesn't get any better. It only gets worse. How far can I go? How far can I push the envelope? And they will continue to push and push and push. So that's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing in God's eyes. We're pushing the envelope. The things that we're doing, you know, I, I, don't, I won't get into it from here. But it's, it's disgusting. It's atrocious. The things that we're allowing in our... And it's a difficult to, uh, topic because... You question, okay, what do I do? What is my role in this? Do I take a stand against these things? Uh, do I just say, well, God's got it. I'm going to leave it alone. What's he telling you? This is about as individual as you can get. Is God saying, take up arms and, and battle against these things? Or is he saying, just continue to pray? Either way, prayer is first and foremost what is he telling you? That's what you need to be concerned about. Don't look to your right. Don't look to your left. Don't look behind you to see what they are doing. What is he calling you to do? And, you know, a word that I, uh, a phrase that I like to use is being about our father's business. What does that mean to you? It probably means something different to me than it does to you. You know, it doesn't mean call to arms. Or hand-to-hand -hand combat. What's he calling you to? You have to decide. Be prayerful. See what the Lord says. 
And uh, with this verse 11, therefore, as I live, as I live is a solemn oath pledging the very existence of God for the fulfillment of prophecy. It is found 14, time, found 14 times in this book, as I live. And what I mentioned to you at the onset, the greatest sin was the found in the sanctuary, showing the height of their wickedness, the height. This is how far we've gone. This is how far we've gone. We made his sanctuary a den of thieves. That's, it breaks his heart, and it should break ours. So that's what he wants to do, break our hearts so that we can turn to him. So we can say, yes, Lord, and that we can, we can honor him in, in, in our words and in our deeds. And there's just so much lip service. There are people among us who talk a good game, but their walk doesn't quite match. It shouldn't be. It should not be. Are we with him? Are we for him or are we against him? Ask yourself that. And the question that I asked a couple weeks ago, when you walk into a crowd, when you walk into a room, ask yourself with all honesty, with all truth, do I divide or do I unite? And we have a mixture. And unfortunately, a lot of people who divide don't even recognize it. Well, nobody loves me. Do you love yourself more than you do other people? Could be a problem. Verse 12 says, 130, you shall die of the pestilence and be consumed with famine in your midst. And one third shall fall by the sword all around you and I will scatter another third to all the winds, and I will draw out a sword after them. This is a message that Ezekiel brought, and he made its meaning very clear. The four well-known judgments of, of that, that he, the Lord is dealing with with Israel, pestilence, famine, the sword, and scattering. And these were the judgment. They had no place to offer atoning blood. They had to bear their sins without relief. And we're getting to the point that we're getting very close to that time now. And some would say we're already there. Now we're just living these things out because we're imitating the world. We're accepting things that we shouldn't because we want to fit in. We don't want to be cast out from family and friends or people in the church body. So we go along. We just do what we got to do to keep the peace. Now the question is, whose peace are you keeping? If you're wrestling with these things, but yet trying to fit in, you got to make a decision. You have to make a decision who you're going to serve. You can't please man. You won't please man. You never were able to, and you never will be. There's always going to be someone opposed and you're going to get some support in some areas. But what's the Lord calling you to do? What is your mission? And Ezekiel is following his out. It's not easy for him. He's been asked to do things that are just atrocious. He's, you know, just go back to shaving his hair and beard. Priests don't shave their hair and beard. But he's being obedient to what the Lord is calling him to do. I'm going to lay down my life for the good of the, 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 for the good of God. Can you say that with a pure heart? Not just to give the, uh, the right answer, but are you willing to do that? Are you willing to lay down your life for those that you love? And they may include people that we don't want to include. Love thy neighbor. It's a hard call, but we do have a charge to keep. Are you willing to love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength? Well, sometimes, okay, that's yeah, a definite no. Got to ask yourself these questions. They are hard questions. 
Verse 13. Thus shall my anger be spent and I will cause my fury to rest upon them. This is not a good thing coming from the heart of God. Not good for you. This, uh, this is going to lead to a bad outcome. And I will be avenged and they shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken. It is my zeal and when I have uh, spent my fury upon them. Verse 14, moreover, I will make you a waste and a reproach among the nations that are all around you in the sight of all who pass by. I'm going to expose you. I'm going to expose this nation of Israel to all the nations that are around them. So he's looking at them. He's looking at us. Saying, you guys are forcing me to do something. It breaks my heart to see what's going on. It breaks my heart to know that we've come back to the things that we grimace about in the Old Testament. We are them. The things that they did. Oh, that's disgusting. And we're doing it. But that's different. Because it's us. Verse 15 so it shall be a reproach, a, a taunt, a lesson, and an astonishment of the nations that are all around you when I execute judgment among you in anger and in fury and in furious rebukes. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is not good. You don't want to see his wrath. You don't want to see his fury. You don't want to see his anger. Verse 16, when I, send, uh, when I send against them the terrible arrows of famine, which shall be for destruction, which I will send to destroy you, I will increase your, the famine upon you and cut off your supply of bread. How long do you think we could make it? without bread and water. And, and with this verse is that this terrible, these terrible arrows included hail, rain, mice, ew, locusts, and mildew. And Deuteronomy talks about that also. Deuteronomy 32, 23, 24. I will heap disasters on them. I will spend my arrows on them. They shall be wasted with hunger, devoured by pestilence and bitter destruction. I will also send against them the teeth of beasts with the poison of serpents in the dust. That's rough stuff, folks. You don't want to hear the Lord judge us like this. Verse 17, so I will send against you famine and wild beasts, and they will bereave you. Pestilence and blood shall pass through you, and I will bring the sword against you. I, the Lord, have spoken. He's making it very clear to Israel, his intentions for them. Yet they rebel. It says, Ezekiel, I want you to go in and talk to these folks. They're very hard-headed. Their heads are hard, their foreheads are hard, but I'm going to make yours even harder. I'm going to give you a forehead of flint. I'm going to give you a forehead of granite. I'm going to give you a forehead that will allow you to withstand what you're going to be subjected to. Tough call. But some of us, he's called us out to do some things that we, didn't, we weren't pleased with. But it has nothing to do with whether we're pleased or not. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Every single time. So Ezekiel is following through what the Lord has called him to do. And so I have to ask myself, are we? What's he calling you to? Even more so, what's he calling you from? Be mindful of that, my friends. 
because he has a plan for you and his plan is better than anything that we could ever have, better than anything that we could ever do. But we need to participate, we need to cooperate. And I find a lot of us are not, I can't stand in judgment, but I get an opportunity to stand with my brothers on the front line and the things that we get to see and hear breaks your heart. And so we're reading this now and we can see how despicable these people are. I challenge you, look in the mirror and ask you, ask yourself, is this us today? Is this me today? Am I following the Lord or am I just playing church? These are tough questions with even tougher answers because we have to be honest with ourselves. We can't fool God. You know, we can come and we can be uh, super Christian on Sundays, but the other six days, we're something totally different. That's not what he's calling us to. He's calling us to be a full-time Christian. He's asking us to follow him at all times. I said earlier, is it easy? No, it isn't. But it's possible. Because it's with God, and with God all things are possible. So we can do it. But in the Holy Spirit, we can't do it in and of ourselves. Can you let go of those idols that he's referring to? Can you let go? Can you just say, that's it, I'm getting rid of the garbage. I'm getting rid of the trash. I'm getting rid of these, rid of these things that I put before my God. A wise man once said, it's not a matter of can and can't. It's a matter of will and won't. You've got a choice. You've got options here. So exercise them. Ezekiel's mission was to impress on Israel conscious God's intense hatred of idolatry and apostasy. Fury and angry, anger are repeated six times. And anytime God repeats anything, I challenge you to pay attention. He wants to make sure he gets the message through. He wants to make sure you really understand you know, where he's going or where you're going. So important. I, the Lord, have spoken. I, the Lord, have spoken was God's personal signature on Israel's doom. Ezekiel's warning to the people went unheeded. Nah, we don't need that. We don't need God. I got all the things. I got the trappings of the world. I'm set. What do I need? God is for those who are needy. I don't need anything. Is that you? Is that us? I don't need anything. I've got all I want. And that's what the people in, in, in uh, Israel at this time were thinking. They had it all. But they had more than they needed. They had an abundance of idolatry, an abundance of apostasy. Ezekiel's warning went unheeded, and the destruction of Jerusalem and the suffering endured by the people should be a warning to us of the reality of divine judgment. Do we comprehend the reality of divine judgment? And we can say we do, but do we really? Do we understand that? Because if we did we would continue to follow Jesus. We wouldn't be wavering. We're in and out. I'm hot, I'm cold, I'm lukewarm. Are you with him? We are far removed from uh, this, this divine judgment at this time, and very few people are really acquainted with the word of God today. That's hard for me personally to comprehend. I, I pondered that question how can anyone, and I'll say in the U.S. of A, not be familiar with the word of God? And 
he asked me, well, Richard, think about this person. Where would they be exposed to the word of God? Well, there's, uh, there's radio, and there's television, and, and there's newspapers. Hmm, we're not getting there yet, are we? Well, how about in school? Oh, no, not in school. That's, that's not happening. Uh, they don't go to church, so what else have we got? How does a person become familiar with the Word of God? You have to make a decision. Now, it does tell us that His Word is written on our heart, but the thing that gets us in trouble is free will. I got a choice, so I'm going to take the path of least resistance. I don't want to serve him because I can't hang with my friends. I can't talk like they talk. I can't drink what they drink. I can't eat what they eat. I'd just rather be my own person. There's a downside to that. The greatest sin among Christians is ignorance of the word of God. God gave this warning to the people of Jerusalem, but it is a message fit that fits us also. All scripture is a message to us. When the judgment of God begins, it is going to be too late to make your decision. It's never too late. If you ask for repentance... It's never too late if you really want to serve him with a pure heart. He's always willing. He's got open arms. Corinthians 6, 2 says, For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I said it earlier, and it bears repeating. If there's anyone here who does not yet know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, let this be the night of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. We need to get it right. We need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. For those who come, they're not here tonight, but those who come out of tradition, those who come because this is the only social time that they get, but those who come for reasons besides honoring Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, I pray that you would adopt a new heart. I pray that you would get to know him and even more so that you make sure that he knows you because some of us may be disappointed because of all the things that we did. Those among us who have a works mentality, but I've done all these things. I've given my time, my money, my talents. So doesn't that count for something? What's your motive? It's worth asking yourself, what is your motive? Do you love him? Do you love the Lord with all your heart, all your might, all your strength? Are you willing to put yourself aside and love your neighbor? If that's not a yes and a yes, then we'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. What is your relationship? Is there a relationship with Jesus Christ tonight? If there isn't, and you would like that, if you desire that, there are men and women here who are willing to pray with you even now. But the decision has to come from within. Do you know Jesus? Does he know you? Choose to stay who you will serve. 
As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, we just thank you for this time that you, you've given us. And I pray, Father, that uh, ears and hearts have been open to receive what you have, Father. And, and as we read this scripture, Father, we just think of these things happening with Israel. I pray that we look a little closer, that we walk a little closer, and realize that we've met the enemy and it is us. So I'm so thankful for this opportunity to share. I, I, and I pray, Father, that if I said even one word that discourages, that discouraged my sister, my brother, that you would eliminate it even now. I'm just so grateful, Father, for a God who loves us. Um, and I'm just so glad that you are sovereign God. You bless us because you love us. You chasing us because you love us. It's so hard to wrap our flesh around that, what that really means. And I pray that my sisters and my brothers would read the word and understand uh, the meaning of the word love from a spiritual standpoint. It's so confusing. We're comparing things to the world. Loving means pacifying me, giving me what I want, making me happy. I pray that we would not be so concerned with happiness that we would be with joy. Give us joy that it can only come from you. So, Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for all that's occurred here tonight, Father. From the incense going up as a result of the sweet worship and that you allowed us to do things decently and in order. So we give you praise and honor for who you are. And we thank you even more so for who you are, who we are. So we just, we thank you, Lord. So I pray for your hand of protection around each of my brothers and sisters as we go out. That you would just continue to guide us, Father. That we would have our plans, but knowing that you was at our steps, Father. So please, Lord, be merciful. Be merciful. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning King, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys.